0: Hi everyone, my name is Wayne and I'm your podcast host and let me start by telling our listeners uh, where we are. I'm in Singapore and today is Sunday, March 22nd, 2020. It's past I think 3.30 a.m. in Singapore and uh, we're in the middle of this coronavirus pandemic, right? So, you know, scary, right? And many cities, including Singapore's closest neighbors, Malaysia, are in lockdown at this moment. So today we have Heather Osgood uh, who's joining us as our special guest and before we tap into her expertise, uh, Heather how is the situation currently affecting you with COVID-19 over in California?
1: Yeah so um, as you mentioned I'm in California. I live in kind of a smaller community in San Luis Obispo California which is about halfway between San Francisco and LA um, right along the coast and We've only had, I think, like eight cases in our entire county, so there haven't been a lot of um, infections. But everything is um, locked down. We are on, in um, shelter-in-place mode. I think the entire state of California is, and uh, my kids are out of school for the, you know, foreseeable future. So I have been working at home for the last four and a half years. So I'm very comfortable in my working environment. Um, you know, from that perspective, nothing has really changed for for us. But of course, from a business perspective, things have changed dramatically just in the last week. And you know, I think that everyone is kind of taking the situation hour by hour, day by day, to see how it's all going to unfold. And, you know, of course, just hoping that the situation improves on health fronts. Um, you know, of course making sure everyone is healthy is a top concern. But also for me, I'm looking at the economics of the situation and how the entire world economy is being impacted right now is, um, you know, a little on the on the scary side, for sure. But we're, we're getting through, for sure.
0: So tell us, what are you seeing in terms of how are you acting, you know, as a founder of your own business, as a business owner? Are you doing anything that is uh, different right now than you were doing like two weeks ago?
1: Absolutely, yeah. Um, So it's kind of ironic because literally two weeks ago, um, my staff and I were in San Diego. We had our first retreat um, as a remote company, and we spent two days strategizing and coming up with ideas about how we were going to grow the company and expand um, podcast advertising, which is the industry we're in, has been growing leaps and bounds, which is super exciting. And we're really um, fortunate to be a part of the growth of the podcast industry. Uh, but it is amazing, you know, to know that we had all of these kind of strategies, hopes, ideas in place, and that we're had we're having to put that on hold. So as an organization, we've decided that. We are literally not going to do anything but focus on our sales activities. We were in the process of um, updating our website and we have put that on hold. Um, We are really just running, I would say, in a mode of making sure that sales is the most important thing on um, our agenda. Of course, cash flow management is also super important for us. And we are looking at the types of businesses right now that are going to really profit from advertising as we've seen um, the events of, you know, the the last couple of weeks, at least in California and the U.S. unfold, what we have seen is that, you know, unfortunately, there are some businesses that are not relevant at this moment and need to put advertising on hold. But then there's a whole group of businesses that can really benefit from advertising. And we still need services. We still need to buy products. We still want to buy products as um, a consumerist society. You know, we are interested in finding those companies that can help us through this difficult time, whether it's actually purchasing a product, whether it's looking, you know, at a piece of software that's going to help us operate now as the workflow, as the workforce has moved um, into these home situations where people are working from their homes. So yeah, it's been really interesting, but also feel super blessed that I have a team that is um, willing and interested in helping, um, you know, buckle down and get us to where we need to be as a company.
0: That's great. And from a mindset perspective, um, uh, it is so easy to get sucked in into the media, right? Especially the negative mm-hmm. news right now and the fear mongering that are really coming in droves. So, uh, of course, the financial impact. I think you have touched a little bit on that as well just now. Uh, uh, you will be affecting so many, you know, people and their families as well in different ways and hurting people in terms of uh, mindset, right? Would you talk about maybe limiting your media consumption? Uh, How important is that for you right now and your well-being right now?
1: You know, I used to be super into politics and the media um, many years ago. And I realized as an entrepreneur that it was having a negative effect on my mindset. And so I have limited my personal consumption of media and news in particular for a really long time so for me, I haven't had a huge change in my behavior. I think one of the things that's difficult is of course, social media. So while, you know, maybe I'm not, um, going on and watching the news or, you know, on TV or getting a newspaper or going on news websites, I still am on social media a lot. And, think that the challenge with social media is that there's so much false information out there, right? Somebody hears something or sees something and they decide to post it. And so it's really, I think, deciphering in that information what is actually accurate, what is inaccurate. Being able to actually look at the source of where that information came from, I think is really important. But then I also think that there's a social component to social media where we are all very isolated at this time and social media and content is a way for us to feel connection with friends, loved ones, colleagues. And uh, so I think that there's, there's a balance, but for me, it's important that I do keep a positive mindset because... The reality is, is that we can either give up or we can keep going. You know, those are the two choices that we have. And for me, I'm choosing to keep going because I know that that's what's going to be best for me, for the business and for the world. So uh, we have to stay away from things that are going to pull us down to a place where we feel um, paralyzed in fear or paralyzed in action.
0: That's really fantastic. And uh, I totally agree with you as well. Like during this period that we hear and see so many stories, right? And uh, mm-hmm. some of these stories are actually fueled by, by us, right? By the people who are on social media as well, and uh, news outlets. They like to comment on things like uh, you know, terrorism, uh, disease, suicide scandals that capture more attention. So it's really important to to know how to tune out all this uh, negativity. And uh, like the ones or the posts that I love to uh, you know put out on my social media are those where I can share positive quotes and and even like my favorite music, for example. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of music streaming performances by our favorite artists these days. So, uh, recently I I saw one by Neil Young, uh, and one by Michael Stipe from RUM. Uh, I think Brian Wilson as well from Beach Boys, right? He was like playing piano. And even uh, uh, Hannibal Lecter, Anthony Hopkins, right? He was playing on a piano and trying to impress his cat. So those kind of clips are really- Really nice, right? It's a nice break from all this negativity and all this pandemic news. So uh, these are content that I would probably you know want to maximize in terms of my consumption. And of course, uh, podcasts where you have really practical tips and advice. And of course, uh, uh, listening to podcasts where we can feature you know guests like you who are the experts. And of course, uh, these are all things that can really uplift the mood uh, at this moment. And in fact, I'm so pleased and excited uh, to have you on this podcast today. And I want to give our listeners some uh, context as to your background. Uh, you've got some amazing achievements and uh, you found a true native media agency. Did I say that correctly? Yes, you did. Yeah, I was reading up on your LinkedIn and uh, really impressed. I'm actually looking at it right now. And I'm uh, yeah, very excited to also share some of the stuff with our listeners uh, today that is uh, you know, recorded right now and to tell us maybe uh, your, your journey, uh, tell us about your journey and certainly uh, you're in the game of business uh, for a while now, can you take us mm-hmm. back to where and how you started and uh, how you got to where you are right now, maybe by telling us a bit, uh, a little bit about True Native Media Agency and exactly what your company does?
1: Great, great. Yeah. Um, Well, I'll just give you um, a quick overview. I started my career in advertising sales. So I actually started in radio ad sales um, and then moved to newspapers. And Um, I worked a ton with small business owners and marketing agencies and um, found that, you know, it was just a great environment. I loved sales and I loved being in the media. Uh, And then I moved to starting a trade show production company. So moved from selling physical ads to in-person marketing with trade shows and um, owned a company with a partner for almost 10 years. And that was a wonderful experience. And then when I sold that company for the first time in my adult life, I had a lot of time on my hands. And so I started listening to podcasts podcasts and um, they were amazing. I had always loved audio. I had listened to a ton of audio books um, as a young entrepreneur, um, and so when I found podcasts, I felt like there, you know—it was in some ways I felt like, oh my gosh, this is the best thing on the planet because there was so much great content out there, and I could listen to interviews with people that I would dream of sitting down and having a conversation with, but of course, you know, may never have the opportunity to do. So I love podcasts, but as I was listening to them I felt like there were all these shows that didn't have ads in them and it seemed odd to me because I felt like every other you know piece of content out there was being monetized by advertising in some way and it seemed weird that podcasts didn't have the same level so I started uh, kind of investigating the industry and found that the top top you know 1% of podcasts had a ton of ads of course and they had no problem with representation but then there were hundreds of thousands of other podcasts that were really too small. So they weren't being represented by anyone. So I founded True Native Media in January of 2016 to help kind of mid-level podcasts. I I thought, you know, if you've got an audience of 10,000 people, that's an audience that's worth serving with ads. So I, I founded the company to help those podcasts. And now it's been over four years. The industry has grown along with True Native Media, and it's just been a ton of fun to be able to help podcasters and content creators, as well as advertisers.
0: We're gonna deep dive into that area later on. Uh, but before that, can you tell us a little bit about the pandemic news, right? On social media, which has heightened the anxieties of everybody. What mm-hmm. can you tell our community listeners who are worriers? Uh, you know, they maybe tell us about your 15 minute rule mindset that you posted on LinkedIn, I think yesterday. I saw that and I captured my attention totally, you know. And uh, of course, uh, your, this 15 uh, minute rule mindset has helped you, of course. And I think it will also help us to manage anxieties and also make maybe transformational change with our business and, and life. So your answer will definitely help those uh, you know, who are about to give up uh, mm-hmm. and help them to keep focus you know, right now on the more important things, of course, uh, especially for those people who, are, who feel uh, un- overwhelmed and desperately they need to put themselves back into a positive mindset and gain control back. So tell us about this strategy.
1: Yeah, thanks for asking about that. Um, I I posted on on LinkedIn and totally the case is that I was raised by a warrior. You know, I love my mother to death, but she was a warrior and subsequently kind of taught my sisters and I how to worry in many ways. So it's uh, something I have really struggled with in my life. And a couple of years ago, I stumbled across this fifteen minute rule. And the concept of the fifteen minute rule is that you are only allowed to worry about things that are going to happen in the next fifteen minutes. And so how I have used this this kind of practice is I set a timer either on my watch or on my smartphone for 15 minutes especially when I'm in a place of real fear, anxiety, worry. So if if something is feeling kind of um, crippling to me by setting my timer, I can only worry about things that are going to happen in the next 15 minutes. And what I found is that most of the time when we're worrying, we're not actually worrying about something that is happening in this moment. So right now I'm in California in a nice house where I have a view of the ocean. It's, 72 degrees in here, Uh, you know, I've got this wonderful computer that I'm talking on. I've got a house full of food. No one in my family is sick. Um, I've got a business that is in many ways thriving and I have nothing to worry about. So right now in this moment, I am totally safe, happy, healthy And I need to focus on that. So when I set my timer for 15 minutes, I can only worry about those things um, as opposed to what's going to happen in the economy. What happens if all the advertisers we have cancel? What happens if I lose my business and I go bankrupt and everyone dies, right? Which I think is something that we have, you know, a lot of people have this. The thinking. Exactly, like it's all going to happen. So by setting your timer for 15 minutes, every time, that thought creeps back in, you have to say, okay, that's not happening right now. I can't worry about that. And then what I found is at the end of 15 minutes, if I'm still feeling in an anxious place, I set my timer for another 15 minutes. And I think, okay, I can only worry about these things for the next 15 minutes. And eventually what happens is it helps quiet your mind. And for me, the most important piece is that it helps you to live in the moment. You know, it's one of those things that for so many years I had read, be in the present moment, live in the now. And I used to think how, like, how do I do that without thinking about the past or projecting into the future? And when you're able to just be in the present, it really does help in so many ways. And I feel like the 15 minute rule allows you to capture that present moment, which for me has been really life transforming.
0: This is fantastic, and uh, it's such a good hack as well. So, uh, something that I think uh, we should all uh, share that 15-minute mindset uh, rule uh, on all social media platforms, so that you know we can balance out all the negativity and all the mm-hmm. negative news that are really causing so much anxiety right now. So, do you believe that fear is causing more damage than the actual virus itself? Uh, and of course, uh, you know uh, we what we need to do is not to allow this to spiral into like a m- massive uh, catastrophe, right? So, mm-hmm. of course, uh, we also uh, predicting that uh, because of the recessionary climate, there'll be like less employments, and of course, it will lead to even less spending as well. Fewer people are able, you know, even able to pay rent, you know, and uh, there are uh, may- maybe more rounds of cuts as well. So. Uh, maybe could you tell us about uh, your business specifically uh, i want to know exactly uh, what you think are you training or are you hiring uh, or are you learning and earning uh, what's exactly uh, you know the strategy for your business uh, in these uh, turbulent times
1: mm-hmm. i keep going back to 2008 so i was a business owner in 2008 when the you know kind of great recession hit and It was scary. You know, it was not a good time. We had um, a home and garden expo. So we were working on putting together all of these, you know, home housing professionals and the housing market just disintegrated. And it was a difficult time. I think one of the differences between 2008 and what has happened here with um, the pandemic is that literally this has happened in the course of a week or two. And so it has been very, very quick. Whereas in 2008, it was more drawn out, but I keep going back to other times in history where either I personally have experienced hard things like in the recession and what I did to get through that time um, or going back to, you know, depression era, see how people got through those times. There is always opportunity. And I think a big part of what has to happen is that we have to put on our, our creative, you know, hats and we have to say, okay, how are we approaching this situation in a different or more creative way. And we've all heard the stories that there are many, many opportunities for you to thrive as a person and as a business in difficult times. If you believe that everything is going to go horribly in your business and your life, you are helping create that. And if you are able to put yourself in a psychological place where you're able to think through the challenges and come up with creative solutions that's going to help just continue to grow those. I think especially when you're a leader, it's so important for you to come to your team with a positive mindset. If you come in doom and gloom, everything is you know going bad, that's going to project all of that negative emotion onto your team. And it's not going to help you in any way. So I want to be a realist. I don't think that it's valuable for you to hide and pretend that everything is all rainbows and hearts, but it's important for you to approach any situation as a problem solver and as a creative thinker. We need to manage our money closely. So that I think is first and foremost is go through your finances and see, do you have excessive spending somewhere? How can you cut back? So I do think that it's important to be very, very mindful of how you're spending your money. And then I also think, and I believe that every organization should be a sales-driven organization. So how are you propelling that sales-driven climate in your business is really important. Um, Before this um, hit, we were in the process of hiring a salesperson and an account manager. I spent a large part of last week interviewing 30 people for that position and um, I would be lying if I said that I was not concerned about moving forward with new hires at this moment. So that is something that is on the top of my mind constantly (laughs) is should I move forward with hiring new people in a climate like this? And the answer is, is that I am proceeding with caution. I will not be making any job offers tomorrow. Um, That being said, I know that at some point we are going to need to hire to grow the company and I will be hiring um, hopefully sooner rather than later, but also it's important for me to be very um, vigilant in how I am preserving the overall value and strength of the organization.
0: So I really love uh, some of the words that you mentioned, like uh, opportunity, you know, creativity, and trying new things. And I think the next question is an area where you're an expert in and uh, you're in the best position to answer. Uh, let's talk about things uh, that businesses can embark on uh, during these challenging times, and uh, especially when it comes to podcast advertising, right? So mm-hmm. how, how will businesses, uh, how should they leverage on the power of podcast advertising and uh, we know that huge shows you know, like Joe Rogan Experience or even mid to small level shows like mine, CMO Asia Podcast. How does uh, podcast shows like this, how do they help uh, advertisers? Uh, is it the first step uh, for creating successful campaigns as well? And uh, it's great uh, idea or strategy uh, to pick uh, maybe a variety of podcasts. Uh, what strategy is best?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's a really good question. I think it's important for marketers right now to think about their costs, right? So, as I was mentioning, uh, you know, it's important to pay attention to your budgets and your bottom line. And TV production for ads is very expensive. Um, and many other forms of advertising include a large production cost. And one of the real values that podcasts bring to the table right now is. It costs you nothing to produce a podcast ad. Um, I'm guessing if you're listening to this podcast that you are a podcast listener, but 99% of podcasts are host-read endorsement ads, meaning the host has received your product, they have sampled your product, and the host is the one who's creating the ad. So the only expense to you has been to sample your product out to an influencer who you would love to talk about your product, right? So there's no production cost. I think that that's really important to look at when you're thinking about how you're approaching the different you know, elements of marketing overall. And there's a lot of opportunity, I believe in podcasts right now, because people are consuming so much content. You know, I think we're all out of rhythm, and it is yet to be determined how that is going to have a an an impact on the way that people are consuming podcasts or the way that they're consuming other things. But it is valuable to think about the fact that people are consuming more content right now than maybe they have in recent history, which is kind of unbelievable because we all consume a lot. But so I think that the value of podcasts is that low production costs, the fact that people are consuming a lot of content. And then it's so important to me to look at the influencer impact on podcast advertising I believe that a lot of marketers overlook the fact that podcast hosts are influencers. As a podcast host, you have a group of people who are listening to you and following you. And yeah, you've got people like Joe Rogan, you've got people like Oprah and Ellen that have podcasts that are in their own rights kind of superstars. But the vast majority of podcast hosts are just individuals who are really knowledgeable or passionate about a topic people are listening to their podcast because they like the content that that person is creating, not because they're a superstar. So they've got a lot of leverage over their audience. And it's important in my opinion that when you're approaching a podcast ad campaign, that you look at the host and you think about, do I want this person representing my product? And what will happen if this person represents my product? And then to answer your question, it is really important as you're approaching a podcast campaign to pick multiple shows to advertise on, especially if you've never done podcast advertising before. If you pick one show and it's not successful, it would be easy for you to say, oh, podcast advertising doesn't work. If you are able to come to a campaign where you have a handful and it doesn't have to be a ton, but usually I recommend starting with about five different shows, then you're able to see how are people responding from these five different audiences? What kind of results am I getting? And it gives you some kind of compare and contrast as opposed to just trying one podcast.
0: It's like uh, never put all your eggs in one basket, right? So the same applies. uh, uh, It would be a good strategy to have uh, many shows to test. So, it's just like running uh, just one Facebook or one YouTube or one Google ad and expecting to get results. So right. uh, to expect uh, maybe like a huge burst of people to buy a product, or uh, uh, it's great to have uh, you know more frequency out the door, and of course uh, to appear in a, a group of shows, uh, maybe a dozen shows to advertise uh, in a row and. Setting a test campaign, right, uh, for mm-hmm. like a minimum uh, duration. Uh, how many, uh, how many months or weeks do you think that uh, advertisers uh, should, uh, you know, uh, test the campaigns and uh, try, you know, in this direction towards uh, podcast advertising?
1: That is a topic that is very debated, and I would think that if you asked four different people, you would probably get four different answers. I believe that it depends on a couple of different factors. I don't think that we could just say every advertiser should run X number of ads. I think it's important for you to look at your brand recognition. A lot of online companies in particular um, are fairly unknown, right? And I, I think it's very popular these days for people to name their businesses, these kind of bizarre names that say nothing about what their company is. If I have never heard of your company before, and let's say it's got a bizarre name, I'm not going to hear one ad about your fitness app and then all of a sudden say, oh, I've got to have that, right? Um, It's not something that is going to make me want to get up just from one ad. So it's important to remember that it's going to take time. If you have huge brand recognition, that's totally different. Uh, we ran a campaign for Match.com a couple of years ago, and I remember at that time they told me that they had like 98 percent, you know, brand recognition in in the world and our, or you know in the United States. And I I thought that was amazing, right? So chances are, if somebody hears Match.com, no one is questioning what is Match.com. They obviously are going to be able to run fewer ads and have the same impact as if I have never heard of your company before, I have no idea what your services are. So it depends on whether or not people already know your company and of course, that gets back to your entire marketing strategy in general. We know that people need to be you know, hit on multiple times before they're going to make a buying decision. And yes, your strategy should include, are they seeing you on social media? Are they getting an, a newsletter from you? Are they hearing you on a podcast? Or are they seeing you on a YouTube video? Or, or whatever your marketing strategy is, right? So all of these um, you know, impacts can be in different places. And it's important to look at that. However, if we're just looking at the lift that podcast advertising is bringing, my recommendation is to run somewhere between six to eight ads per podcast in order to see some real um, difference in your campaign or your overall um,
0: conversions. When you say averaging six to eight ads per podcast, are you referring Mm -hmm. to per episode or maybe a, a series of episodes? Let's say, for example, my podcast, I have more than 36 episodes. So uh, Mm -hmm. with uh, the latest technology as well, it allows me to insert even things like embedded uh, podcast ads, right? So I'm Mm -hmm. able to even increase that frequency and maximize exposure for my advertisers by having those ads uh, inserted dynamically across all the episodes and not just one single episode.
1: Yeah, and that gets into kind of the complex topic of embedded ads versus dynamically inserted. Would you like me to talk a little bit about that? Sure. Okay. So embedded ads are kind of the traditional type of ad that we have seen in podcasting. And how that works is as a podcast producer, I'm producing episodes. In that episode, I will often, you know, mention an advertiser or sponsor. So let's say you're sponsoring episode 100. Now I am only going to reach the people who listen to episode 100. As an advertiser, that's who I'm getting in front of. So it doesn't matter if the show has a hundred thousand listeners that listen to you know cumulatively all of their episodes it only matters who is listening to this one episode that my ad is in so if we're talking about six to eight ads typically what that means is that i want to be in six to eight different episodes if we're running on an embedded basis the value of embedded ads is typically they're priced on a per month basis so let's say in an average month, a podcast gets 10,000 downloads or listens per episode in a 30-day period. That means I'm reaching about 10,000 different people and you know that's great. And I'm paying for how many people are in that 30-day period. Now, after that 30-day period, the ad is going to stay in the episode and people can continue to download and listen to that episode long after It has, um, you know, aired initially. So I'm going to have a really strong long tail with embedded advertising that a lot of advertisers like. Because in, you know, three months, four months, people are still downloading that that episode and your ad is still in there. Um, Dynamic ad insertion allows you to reach an entire audience. So how dynamic ad insertion works is, let's say, like you had mentioned, you said you had 35 or 36 episodes so far. Uh, So if we were going to be doing dynamic ad insertion, how that would work is every single episode would have an ad marker within the episode telling the computer where to place an ad. One of the things I always like to make sure people are aware of is that just because you're doing dynamic ad insertion doesn't mean that it's not host-read. I do really strongly believe in the power of influence and the power of host-read ads. So we're not getting away from that. You would still, as a host, record those episode or those ads and each episode would then have these different ad markers and instead of doing the ads on a per episode basis we would do them in a time frame so we would say let, you know let's let's for example say the month of may from may 1st to may 30th any episode that i listen to as a listener whether it's episode 1 whether it's episode 15 or whether it's episode 36 I'm going to get served that ad. And it happens electronically. So as a listener, you really shouldn't be able to tell that it's being inserted dynamically. But what it gives you the ability to do as an advertiser is it it gives you the ability to reach the entire audience. So let's say with an embedded ad, you can only reach 10,000 people because that's how many people are listening to that one episode. If your ads are across all of the episodes, now maybe you're reaching 50,000 people in a month instead of just those 10. The other thing that's really nice is that you have the ability to Have control of your creative. One of the downsides of having an ad that lives in a piece of content indefinitely is how long is that ad really relevant? You know, when is the messaging going to expire, right? When is the offer going to expire? Maybe you're not even selling that product anymore. And it, it's so valuable to have your messaging be current so you can reach a lot more people with dynamic ad insertion and you can have your message be time-bound, which is really valuable.
0: This is great. Um, the next question that our community listeners, especially the CMOs who are tuning in, they, that they always find interesting, even for my own advertisers and my sponsors for my show, is, um, They consider podcast advertising and online channels uh, opposed to offline channels. What's your hot take on why advertisers uh, decided to put podcasts uh, in that category and not just for the sake of uh, diversifying marketing spend and given the fact that advertisers do so much uh, on social paid ads, right? So uh, what Mm -hmm. makes them say that podcasts uh, seem like a good place for them and they want to head towards that direction?
1: So what you're asking is why should, out of all the choices they have with the offline and with online, with digital, what would make somebody choose podcast advertising over something else?
0: That's correct.
1: There are obviously lots and lots of different places that you can place your ad dollars. A couple of the things that I think are super important about podcast ads, as I've already mentioned, I really believe hosts are influencers. And I think that we don't put podcast advertising in the influencer category often enough. So for me, that's top number one. Number two, when you look at time spent listening to a podcast and compared to like how long people watch a video, even like, you know, the live videos that are on social or on YouTube, it is crazy. People listen to podcasts for so long. So that engagement level is really, really high. The other thing that I think is so important and valuable about podcasts is nobody ever stumbles upon a podcast. You never tell yourself, oh my gosh, how how, how did I end up listening to this podcast? It just started playing. How many of us have been on YouTube or on Instagram or any other social media and all of a sudden we're like, why am I watching this cat? Like, how did I even get here? You know, I mean, that happens so often. People have to make a conscious decision to listen to the podcast and because they have to make a conscious decision to listen to the podcast, they're bought in, right? You're listening to the podcast and uh, the hosts are speaking to you in your ears, right? Like it's crazy, the connection and the engagement that can happen with podcasts. It is not a fast moving medium. You know, people compare podcast advertising to other forms, especially social, where, you know, if your social ad goes live today, you should see some engagement. You should see some purchases happening today. Podcast ads aren't like that. Sometimes it can take, you know, days, months for you to see a return on your investment. So it's a much slower moving medium, but the power behind podcast advertising is amazing. When you look at the returns, there's a company out there right now called Claritas that's running these lift studies, and they're seeing a 31% lift from podcast advertising as opposed to like a 2% or 3% lift that other forms of digital of, of digital marketing can bring. So it's, the impact podcast advertising can have is immense. It's just slower moving and it's a, a, I would say, a different type of investment than most marketers are used to.
0: This is brilliant. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about what advertisers' approach uh, to podcast ad buying has been? Uh, How do you classify podcast ad buyers? Uh, Some companies, they prefer to work directly with advertisers, right? And some prefer to work with agencies. Some buy a lot of shows, some buy a few. What has been the trend that you observe uh, before this COVID-19 happened? And uh, any difference in approach you would expect after normality resumes?
1: Yeah, so there are a handful of direct response agencies that specialize in podcast ad buying. Um, of course, with any new medium, direct response is gonna be the core of the advertisers. And so we see a ton of that right now where advertisers do offer a promo code, a unique URL associated with an offer to really help track results. And the direct response agencies are very good at that. And if you are thinking that you would like to invest heavily in the podcast space, I would recommend that you think about working with one of these agencies because They have a ton of experience. They also can help guide and direct you. And we represent podcasts and connect them with advertisers. These agencies really represent the advertisers and the companies. Um, We work closely with them. And if you are thinking that you want to spend, I would say probably upwards of 100,000 plus on podcast advertising, I would recommend talking to one of them. Uh, because they can really help guide you. If you are not thinking that you want to spend at that level, then I would recommend that you talk to a company like True Native Media, where we are able to connect you with a handful of podcasts. One of the challenges in podcast advertising is that there are now latest i heard there are 900,000 podcasts i'm sure after we get to the other side of this covid-19
0: there's probably going to be
1: another 900,000 <laughs> that are added so um, exponential
0: growth yeah yes,
1: yes the number is growing um i heard a couple of weeks ago that there's like 2000 new podcasts that are coming online each week um who knows how accurate that is but There are lots and lots of podcasts out there. So if you are trying to decide where to advertise, it can be really challenging. Um, Podcasters, for some reason, can be really difficult to get a hold of. Some of them don't want advertisers. So there are definitely some challenges that can be faced. So I do recommend that if you can find a representation firm or a way to go about doing podcast ad buying, it's a lot easier than trying to approach podcasts on an individual level. Um, In terms of, you know, how podcast ad buying is done and how I have seen it, it, you know, work and how I expect to see it work. I really don't think it's going to change too terribly much. I think that um, those who have seen success in the space are going to continue to
0: invest. And
1: um, yeah, I, I believe it'll continue to grow.
0: That's great. And um, do advertisers like that? For example, my show, yeah, CMO Asia Podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always have repeat advertisers. You know, it's like from episode one to episode thirty, uh, my advertiser, my sponsors are still the same. You know, is that a good thing or a bad thing in your opinion? And do you think that uh, if uh, uh, you know potential advertisers, they reveal that uh, my sponsors are always the same and they are repeat customers? Uh, do they think that uh, they will be also able to tap on and target the same demographic and segments uh, that, uh, or the niche that I'm uh, targeting, uh, my show is targeting to? And does it generally tell you know or uh, give them a rough sense of, of whether or not to go with my show or even a larger show like Joe Rogan Experience, for example, which obviously costs a bomb, right? And uh, mm-hmm. so, what's your hot take on that?
1: So, in terms of whether or not. Repeat advertisers are valuable. I think, certainly, from a, a podcaster's perspective, repeat advertisers are super valuable because you know you've got someone that you can count on. I think, in terms of an advertiser, if you are looking at How often should you advertise on a show? And for how long should you advertise on a show? That question can vary, again, depending on your company, but really also depending on your goals. What kind of goals are you trying to accomplish with your campaign? And if it is brand-based, then I would say advertise for as long as you want to advertise because you are creating brand recognition one of the things that's nice about podcasts is, especially in a case like your show, you're actively out there growing your show and growing audience. And so you're not going to be reaching the exact same people over and over. As your audience grows, you're going to have new listeners. So they're going to be reaching new listeners. I would recommend if your advertisers are looking um, to get a better Uh, you know, specific direct return on their investment, that it is important to vary the talking points because as listeners, how many of us have heard the same ad over and over again? We're like, okay, I know what they're going to say. I'm just going to fast forward through it. So it's important as podcast hosts that we're really creative with our ad reads and that we're setting them up in a way that people are interested in actually listening to them. And from an advertiser standpoint, it's really important that you give the host new content, you know, new ad content to think about. They, they can't make a brand new ad read if you're giving them the same stuff over and over. So it's important to make sure that you're updating your talking points on a regular basis so that you can get new information out in front of your audience. Uh, so that's important, and I'm sorry I forgot the last part of your question. I feel like there was something I missed in there.
0: Like, uh, for example, uh, having uh, these uh, uh, revealing—you uh, know—repeat advertisers and targeting the same niche audience—is that a good thing or a bad thing in general?
1: I think that it is a, it's definitely valuable. So if you think about like Joe Rogan's show, all of his advertisers, of course they're targeted in some way, but they're also really a ton of just consumer products that anybody could buy because when you've got a show the size of Joe Rogan's, he's reaching a ton of people and it always cracks me up because I feel like there are a few like gateway shows and his show is definitely one of them. And the first time I listened to his show, I was surprised because I thought he was just going to be a total meathead. And he's actually super interesting and really actually quite intelligent. Um, but he reaches a ton of different people. And I'll talk to, you know, marketing, um, you know, executives all the time who say, oh, yeah, well, I listen to Joe Rogan. And I'm like, you're a 30-year-old woman. That's your favorite show, you know? But he reaches a ton of different people. So all of the advertisers on his show are really going to be pretty broad based because of the types of you know listeners he's able to deliver when we're looking at these like specific niche audiences there's a lot more power in that you know with a show like yours where you're specifically targeting cmo's there's a lot more power in the audience that you're delivering because it is so targeted So it's important for advertisers to look at that. Um, I used to work with a show when I first started called Contracting Officers Podcast, where they specifically spoke to government contractors. Now, that's not an easy audience to reach um, if you're looking to really get in And and we've got a campaign right now running on some um, pharmacology podcasts where these, you know, different um, online schools want to reach people who are interested in becoming pharmacists. So if you're looking at trying to do something that is super, super targeted and a smaller audience, you're going to end up paying more for that. And um, there is so much value in being able to speak directly to those people. And, and there's nothing wrong with having um, an
0: ongoing campaign to reach those people. This is fantastic. Are there certain companies that you think have a chance of succeeding more in terms of uh, podcast ads than others do? Uh, is, there, is the landscape changing from pure B2C to B2B play? Uh, would you recommend that uh, B2B companies who have never done podcast advertising to do podcast ads? And how would you advise them on strategy?
1: Yeah, I think absolutely. I think that's a great question. Um, I see a huge increase in B2B advertising on podcasts, which is really exciting to me, um, mostly because I'm an entrepreneur and I just love the B2B space. So I think it's great to see that shift. It's important always, of course, to look on your, um, your goals for your campaign. Are you looking for brand recognition? Are you looking for return on your investment? Um, are you looking for return on your ad spend? You know, what are the different strategies that you have in place? And, you know, for instance, I do think it's important to look at, can you get out of the campaign what you were expecting? I met with a headphone company the other day and they create this great product and their average dollar sale was $12. And I said, how is your repeat customer base? And he said, Most people buy a pair and they're so good, they don't buy another pair for a long, long time. So really like he was gonna have to sell a lot of $12 sales to get a return on his investment. And I said, I really don't think right now that this is the best fit for you because I will have a difficult time. If you are looking for a return on your investment or even a return on your ad spend, it's gonna be difficult for us to get that for you. So it's important to look And be realistic about what you can achieve. It's going to be pretty difficult for us to sell 10,000 pairs of headphones with this podcast ad campaign, you know? Um, However, if you are a B2B advertiser and you are trying to get a return, again, you have to focus in on what your goals are and then look to shows that you believe can actually give you that, that return. One of the biggest I would say red flags that I have seen in podcast advertising is that there are so many podcasts out there and many of them have very small audiences. So oftentimes when you call a podcast and say, Hey, I'm interested in advertising. I experience this all the time. When we're looking for podcasts, I'll say, how many downloads are you getting? No joke. I've had people who say, I'm getting 23 downloads an episode and it's $1,500 an ad. And I say, Your math is bad. <laughs> we can't reach 23 people for $1,500. That's make not going to work right? for us. Doesn't make sense. So make sure as an advertiser that you're really clear on the numbers that the podcast is getting um, and have them send you screenshots of their hosting providers because a lot of times, People don't know their numbers or they make up their numbers and you have to make sure that you're actually buying something that has got reach.
0: That leads us to, uh, to the next question. Um, what are the strategies or do you like the tactics that are adopted by some uh, podcast advertisers, such as like using embedded URLs and uh, like post checkout survey of uh, how you know, uh, the, uh, the consumers have heard of them or their products? Um, Of course, uh, using survey forms, right, means that that there must be like a high completion rate in terms of having a good uh, sample size. So Mm -hmm. um, what are your uh, your hot take in terms of uh, how to really, you know, track and provide some idea or a sense of whether the podcast advertising and campaign result is successful?
1: Yes. So um, as mentioned, it's very, very um, common right now for people to use unique URLs, promo codes, and discounts to track results. I think exit surveys are a great way to track results. I actually talked with a company just a couple of days ago that has had a lot of success with exit surveys. So while people haven't been using the promo codes, when they go to the exit survey, they're telling them that they heard about them through podcast ads. So Highly recommend exit surveys. I also think that um, drop-down menus can be really good. Um, I've seen a lot of success with that. Instead of having to try and lead someone to use a promo code um, or a discount of some sort, if you can just give them that drop-down at checkout, I think there's a lot of value in that. Um, I'm very excited about some of the attribution um, systems that have come on, on board here in the last year or two with podcasts. So there are three different companies right now in particular that are doing a lot of attribution tracking. So they're able to see who's listening to the podcast and then place a pixel on the advertiser's website. And then through attribution, we can see, oh, well, gosh, this person listened to the podcast, then they made a purchasing decision. I'm very excited about that. Um, Of course, this is commonplace for most digital advertising, not new news for anyone. Definitely new news in the podcast space. Um, The one kind of question with all of that is privacy because if I'm on a website or if I'm on my mobile device, I have the ability to easily opt out. And when I'm listening to a podcast, I don't have that ability to opt out of my being tracked in this way. Um, so there's a lot of conversation around privacy issues, but I really believe that in order for the podcast industry to move forward, we have to have these types of of tracking mechanisms in place because that's what advertisers want and they need. Um, so, yeah.
0: I think this uh, will benefit uh, the whole uh, ecosystem uh, as well as for the content creators the podcast hosts as well mm-hmm. so if we have uh, stats that are reliable and uh, advertisers can trust so we are able to promote ourselves or even charge more you know and and really uh, really uh, show our advertisers that we provide, uh, we're providing them really premium service and high-quality leads that leads to conversion. So my next question will be on in terms of the split of the uh, distribution or the mix of the uh, shows that uh, advertisers should focus on. Uh, is there like a 80-20 split or 50-50 split in terms of like maybe spending more on core provincial shows or maybe uh, the rest on test shows? What would be the ideal uh, mix for that?
1: That's a great question. I what I recommend is that a lot of times people focus on the types of podcasts that they're going for and they really look to make a content match. and there's nothing wrong with making content matches, right? So let's say I um, started a new CRM and I'm looking to reach sales professionals. There's nothing wrong with advertising on sales podcasts. There's a ton of them out there, right? Um, But I also think that it's really valuable to look at targeting the right person. So um, where else could your listeners be? So my recommendation is that you start with a core show so that you do have that content alignment and you know for sure that you're reaching your target audience. And I would put about 80% of my ad spend in that. And then I think about 20% of your ad spend should go to test shows and looking at where else could these people be? Are they listening to motivational shows? Are they looking listening to exercise shows? Are they listening to true crime? Are they listening to comedy or politics? There are lots and lots of different genres of podcasts out there. So you don't always have to be super matchy-matchy. I think a lot of times as marketers, we think that everything has to be real matchy-matchy in podcasts, and it doesn't have to be.
0: This is brilliant. And I think we have just crossed the one-hour mark. So uh, we <laughs> Maybe uh, speed things up a little bit uh, and uh, end uh, the show with a speed round of questions. So, are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. Let's go. Who's your favorite CEO?
1: Oh, my favorite CEO.
0: That's a really hard question.
1: Um, <laughs>
0: Don't overthink gosh. your answer. So, tell us quickly.
1: <laughs> quickly. My favorite CEO is, I should know her name, and now I'm blanking on it the woman who started Spanx. Awesome. I love her. Yeah. Um, I can't remember her name, but I love her.
0: Favorite marketer.
1: (laughs) My favorite marketer,
0: Mark Schaefer. What are the best five podcast advertising resources that you recommend?
1: The five best podcast advertising resources. I would say definitely check out my LinkedIn for all my videos because there's a lot of resources there. Um, I think that I would definitely look at PodSites because PodSites, it's P-O-D-S-I-G-H-T. They list all of the top categories of who has been listing or advertising in the space. So I think that that is a great resource. Um, I would also check out Podcast Movement, which is an event that will hopefully be taking place in Dallas in August. Um, There are tons of speakers there that are great. And then there are also several Facebook groups that are really good for podcasts. um, If you're interested in kind of getting introduced into the podcast ecosphere. And then, is that four or five?
0: Two more. Two more,
1: (laughs) oh boy. Okay, other podcast advertising resources. Um, There are a couple of books online that would, would be a good option. And then I would also just say um, YouTube videos. There are some some decent YouTube videos. So if you just go out there and Google, um, you know, on YouTube, um, search
0: for for videos. Great recommendations. Can you remember the first podcast that had an impact on you when you first started this?
1: Yes, Entrepreneur on Fire.
0: Ah, cool. Um, The next one would be uh, cardio, weights or yoga for you?
1: Cardio or weights? Cardio. I'm a total spin junkie. I love my spin bike.
0: Cola or lemonade? Lemonade. Okay. What are, Who are the three people dead or alive that you would love uh, to have dinner with and why?
1: The three people dead or alive that I would like to have dinner with? Um... I would love to have dinner with Oprah Winfrey. Um, I just think that she's amazing in every way. Um, Let's see. The next person that I would really like to have um, dinner with right now is Rachel Hollis. Um, She's been a huge inspiration to me. And I think she's doing some amazing things in her business. And the third person that I would want to have dinner with would be... Let's see here. Um, Well, gosh, I I have a hard time with
0: these, as you can tell. No politicians, yeah?
1: No politicians. I'm not real interested in that. Um, But I think, let's see, some of my favorite business books um, come to mind because there's so many great authors out there. Um, I probably would pick um, Wayne Dyer. He's dead, but I would love to talk with him.
0: What else do you have going on that you want our listeners to make sure they will be on the lookout for?
1: What else do I have going on? Um, You know, we're really just trying to create content um, for people. I know you said, you know, I, I gave you a list of different resources for podcast advertising, but there aren't a ton of really great resources out there that are specifically around podcast advertising. There are lots of resources just about podcasts in general. So we are in the process of creating hopefully once we we have some extra time to focus on this but we are are wanting to create more content around specifically podcast advertising so yeah
0: so we do want to direct our community listeners uh, also to find you on the web to look at your work and on social media and definitely linkedin as well what are your social media handles and your website
1: yeah, so um, our website is truenativemedia.com, so you can find us there. Um, we have a podcast called Marketing Success with Podcast Advertising that I would recommend. And if, you're, you, know, if you have any questions about podcast ads, you can find them there. Um, and then I'm very active on LinkedIn, which is just Heather Osgood um, on LinkedIn.
0: This is awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. And we definitely enjoy talking to you. So uh, before we finish this episode here, stay safe, stay indoors, and let's get (laughs) through this together,
1: yeah? Yes, amen.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on.